started last week uh, talking about God first, God first. And so we're going to be sharing over a few weeks as I, as I share on the subject of God first in our life. Not only what it looks like for God to be first in our life, but, but what are the benefits of God being first in our life? What is it that you and I need to expect? I believe this is an important word right now because if you've noticed in our world, it seems like we move from one crisis to the next so that they can keep fear from one thing to the next, right? And, and, and so it's like from one thing to the next. And, and so, you know, you go through the pandemic, then you go through this, and now they're talking about, you know, oh, there's a, you know, there's a inflation, and it's going to cause a re- uh, recession, and, you know, all of these different things. And so now they've got everybody worried about their jobs, about their finances, about, you know, buying a house or or, or uh, you know, how they're going to pay for things. Uh, gas, you know, is, is uh, you know, double, tripling in prices and all of this. I think it's in times like this that it is most important for us to remind ourselves that we are the children of the living God. That we are the children of the living God. And because we are the children of living God, there's an advantage that belongs in our life And that advantage that belongs in our life is because of the covenant relationship that we have with God. When David went up against Goliath, Goliath was the giant of Israel. Goliath was intimidating and all of Israel, all the nation, all the warriors, they were fearful. And when David went up, one of the reasons David said that he could go up against the enemy and even not have to use the armor that all the men used, just use his slingshot and his rock, he said this, he said, because I have a covenant advantage. When, the, when they told him, you need to be careful, you know, you're little and you're going up against him and he's the warrior of the enemy and there's none like him, David said this. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should be intimidating the people of God like this? What what was David saying when he called him this uncircumcised Philistine? David was saying, I have a covenant with God. I'm in covenant with God. And because I'm in covenant with God, that means that there are special advantages in my life that I have that, that supersede the natural things that supersedes circumstances, that supersedes situations. I'm a covenant child of God. If you are a born-again believer who has God first, now one one of the things that was required of covenant was not just a relationship. To be in covenant with God or to covenant with somebody meant that God was first. So it meant not only do I have a relationship with God, but in that relationship with God, God is first. And that's what it is to have covenant. I think it's important in times like this that we remind ourselves that we are in covenant with God and we're the covenant children of God. And that means we need to understand, remind ourselves, and live out what the word says, not what the world says about what is around us or what is going on around us. 
And so God first is what we talked about. And last week I talked about the God first principle and the principle of God being first. And you can go back and listen to that on the podcast or or on the Facebook uh, feed there, one of the videos, so that we understand the principle, that there's a principle of God being first, that God said, I have to be first, I have to be first in everything. That he has to have the first place. And then God began to show them ways that they could show God or manifest to God and others that God was first in their life. And one of those ways is what we're going to talk about this week and next week, which is what was called the first fruits in the Bible. The first fruits. It was a celebration. It was a festival and a celebration that they celebrated together where they remembered together as a people that God was first and they showed God that he was first. So the principle we're looking at is in Romans chapter 11 and and, uh, verse 36 and it says these words. It says, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. This is what we're doing, that everything comes from God, everything belongs to God, and everything should be done for God's glory. Now today let's talk in particular about the first fruits and how this celebration, how this act that they did, it was an act of worship that we're going to learn, how this act of worship for these people was a was a physical way, a manifested way that they could show what was in their heart and that they could honor God as being first in their life and having this preeminent place. And so today we want to talk about first fruits and we want to look in the book of Proverbs chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. And this is what it says in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 1 through 10 in the New Living Translation. He said, my child, never forget the things that I've taught you. Everybody say, never forget. Never forget. Remembering is never forgetting. He said, never forget the things that I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your hearts. Then you will find favor with both God and man, and you will earn a good reputation. Now, Solomon is writing Proverbs, and he's writing it to his son and to his descendants. And so he's giving them instructions and wisdom. In verse 5, he says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you the path to take. Now, many of us know that scripture, but that's the only part of Proverbs chapter 3. There's a lot of of, of basic instruction for life in Proverbs chapter 3. And we know that, but what does the rest of it say to go along with that? He said, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body, strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the best part of everything you produce, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. This is one of the places that we see in the word of God, this idea of first, 
First fruits, meaning bringing the first, which was also considered the best, bringing it and giving it to the Lord as a physical manifestation and a celebration of God being first in, in, in their life. Now, they were an agricultural society, and as an agrarian society, one of the things that they did that, that they worked with so that this is, this is what their life was and their income was, this is what they used to sustain themselves, it's also what they used to barter with others and trade with others, and it was a part of their wealth was the animals that they raised, the crops that they raised, uh, the, the food that they had had. And so here he talks to them about bringing the first portion, and here in particular about bringing the first portion, the first fruits was about bringing the first portion of the, the things that they had grown that they would bring and they would offer unto God. Now, most of us in here today, we're, we're not like that. We're not a part of an agrarian society. So many of us do not have a backyard garden like uh, Joel and Nicole that, you know, was growing and chickens and all that, you know, in the middle of town. Most of us are not like Rebecca and Matt Fell, you know, who can grow and have all of these extra vegetables that they can, you know, offer and sell to everybody else. Many of us are not like the Scots that can have a farm and a ranch and, you know, cattle and, and horses and pigs and sheep and I don't know what else they have out there, right? And to be able to grow all these things. So most of us aren't like that because most of us, well, we're lazy. Let me just say it, okay? <laughs> like, we, we don't want to be spending our extra time doing that, right? <laughs> and, 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 or most of us, we just do not have a green thumb, Right? I mean, you're like, I, I, I can't raise weeds very well. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but, but in their culture, uh, it, was, it was a huge part of it. I remember as a young boy being at my grandparents' house down in, the, down in the, the country, and they didn't have an indoor bathroom. We had an outhouse, an outdoor bathroom, but they had this one big room that was filled with canned vegetables and fruit from the ground up. I'm not talking aluminum cans. I'm talking jars, right? It was just covered, huge, this big, you know, and as a kid, I always thought, y'all need to tear this stuff down and build a bathroom in this room. We can go to the store and buy all this stuff, <laughs> but, but grandma and grandpa was something different. I, I don't know. There's still something today. I don't know. May, may, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's my just taste, but there's still something different about green beans out of a jar than there is green beans out of a can. And, and so this was their society, this was their culture. And so what they would do is they would have this celebration. And so today and next week, I want to I wanna help you understand uh, this, this first fruits and how this first fruits is tied to what Jesus tells us in John chapter 10 of he wants us to have a life and a life more abundant. Matter of fact, this whole series is going to help us to understand more about that. This life and life more abundantly. First fruits, the idea of first fruits is mentioned 32 different times in the Bible. And it's built off of what we talked about last week was the principle of first things where God is put first. And this is the way they manifested. And this is what they would do is they would take their first yield and out of that first yield, whatever the first part of that yield was, then they would offer it up to God in a festival, in a special time, in a special day, which was the first fruits and the first fruits offering. And so this is how it would work. The, the way it would work for them is they would, 
they would plant their fields and they would have their crops. And what they would do is they would go out and, and they would watch. They would always watch for the first budding the first budding, the first fruit that the crop would yield, whatever it was. And so it, it, it may have been wheat, uh, or in this case, it was the wheat and barley season. The wheat and barley season, it was a time where they would harvest barley, they would harvest wheat, but they would harvest some other things. And then there was a second harvest that was later in the year. This was the harvest that was around April or May time period. It was right in conjunction with Passover. And, and so what they would do is they would go out there and, and they would watch and they would, they would take and they would look look for the first budding of the fruit. So the, the first vine, the first roll, the first crop, whatever it was, and they would, they would take a scarlet piece of thread and they would tie it off on there so that it is matured and grew. They would know and remember that that was the first one. That was the first fruit that, that, that came as a result of this. And so they'd have to wait a little while because uh, wheat and tares, when they're, when they're both uh, small, tares uh, is a weed and wheat is the grain. Uh, but when they're growing up together and they're small, they look the same. It's hard to tell the difference. That's why the Bible said Jesus told the disciples, you've got to let the tear and the wheat grow up together because if you try to pull up the tares too early, you'll, you'll pull up the wheat with it too. You've got to, you've got to wait till it gets to the ground. That's why they, people say, well, I don't understand why in the midst of this harvest that God is waiting to come back. Why, why is he letting good and bad at the same time? Because he's letting the tares and the wheat grow up together. And so when the wheat, when they would be able to notice the wheat, they, they'd sometime they, they, they'd take and they would tie it off and they'd take all the fruit. And then what they would do is on this, on this special day, when the harvest season came, what they would do is they would go collect all of that first fruit and they would bring it to the Lord to honor him, as the scripture says here, to honor him and to worship him and to recognize that everything else they were about to collect Every other thing they were about to enjoy was because of God and because of their covenant relationship with God and what God was doing. And so this is the way that would unfold. On the, on the Passover, the Passover was the season where the first thing that they would offer is they would offer that lamb. That lamb is a sacrifice, and that lamb was the sacrifice in which the blood, during that time, they believed that it, it, it uh, covered their sin. It didn't take away their sin. It just covered their sin until the time that a Redeemer and the Messiah could come. And so they would first have the Passover. And so they would have meals leading up to the Passover, and it's a celebration. And one of those meals was the preparation meal. That's the one that Jesus did with his disciples before the Passover. And then on the Passover, they would sacrifice the Passover lamb. And when the Passover lamb was sacrificed and the blood was shed, remember the blood, that's important. The blood was shed on that day. That was the Passover and they would remember how God had protected them, how God had cared for them, how God brought them out of Egypt, that, that they couldn't come into the land that they were going to celebrate by the first fruits if they hadn't been taken out of the land of their affliction and out of the land of cursing. So the bookends are the first part of the celebration of Passover was remembering that God brought us out of this old life. The second part where they were offering up all of this fruit from the land that they now owned and lived in, that bookend was to remind them of now what they had and that God had brought them into. So one reminded them what God brought them out of. One reminded them of what God brought them into. 
And so they would celebrate the Passover, and the Passover would be that, that, that the shedding of the, that lamb's blood, and they would remember how they put the blood over their doors during while they were in Egypt, and the death angel passed over them, and after that, the, the, the Pharaoh uh, let them go, and God led them out. Now, the second day, right after that Passover, the second day, they would celebrate what was called the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. So that was part of the day. It was a part of the celebration. And on this particular day, they would offer up uh, unleavened bread. And this unleavened bread would be bread that, that, that didn't have any yeast in it, anything to make it rise. So it was a, it was a flat bread. And it reminded them, <clears throat> so the Passover reminded them what God brought them out of, the first fruits reminded them of what God brought them into. And the Feast of the Unleavened Bread reminded them of what took place during the journey. That when they left Egypt in a hurry and had to wander through the wilderness, they, they didn't have time to let their bread rise. And, and so what they had to do is they, they left in haste and they took their bread in haste and it couldn't rise. And then what they had to do is make it flat and then they would cook it in the wilderness over rocks on a fire. And it was the flat bread, kind of like a, a tortilla or what you now have as pita bread or, or nain or any of those types of bread. So it was this flat bread because it didn't have time to rise. And so on the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, that day they would celebrate, they would eat unleavened bread, they would take all of the yeast, all of the leaven, everything out of their house, and that day would remind them that God brought us out of this, God brought us into this, but on the way to it, this is the story of what happened. So that's what they would do the, the second day. So the first day was about the blood. The second day was about the bread. And then the third day was the first fruits. The third day was about the harvest. So now they had celebrated what God brought them out of, what God brought them through, and now what God brought them to. So there was three parts of this celebration. What God brought me out of, he brought me out of my sin, he brought me out of bondage, he brought me out of Egypt, he brought me out of all that. He brought me through this, this transition in my life, and he's brought me to this land now that flows with milk and honey. It's a land of abundance. It's a land where we can eat. It's a land where we celebrate. It's, it's a land where we have freedom, and it's a land where we have joy. And so now we're in that land. So the first day, they celebrate what he brought them out of, which was about the blood. The second day, what he brought them through, which was the bread. And then the third day was the first fruits and what he had brought them into and what he was going to bring them to in their future. Now, it's interesting to note that when Jesus talks to his disciples and tells them, first of all, he said, when they drank the cup, he said, this is my blood. This is about the first day. This is about what God brought you out of. And, and then the Bible said he took the bread and he said, this bread represents my body, which was beaten and broken for you. So the second thing was about the, it, 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 was, about the, it, it was about the bread. It was about the body. It was about Jesus taking all of our pain, not only taking care of all of our sin, but anything we're going through, the bread represents he's already taken the brunt of the pain. He's already taken the brunt of the hurt. He's already taken the brunt of the destruction. He's already taken all that. So in him you have peace. No matter what you're going through, you are going to make it through. God is with you. And then the third part was about the resurrection, which we, which we learn and we're going to talk about in the coming weeks, where it says Jesus is the first fruits of our resurrection. 
So here's what they would do on that third day. On that third day, that was the barley harvest. That's the, the day that they would take the barley. So they'd go out in the field and they'd cut what was called the sheaves. They'd cut the sheaves of the barley, which had been tied off, and, and they would take it and they would take the sheaves and they would bring them. It began the first part of a 50-day worship period and celebration period. And, and so they would bring it, and, and the priests would offer up these sheaves uh, for the harvest as they got involved in the different harvest, and he would bless them and he would bless their harvest. And then what would happen is they would go, and for, for the next uh, 49 days after that Passover, for the next 49 days, they would start a harvesting, but they wouldn't harvest everything. They would only harvest the first fruits. They would only harvest the things where it had been tied off that God had given it to them first. And so they would, they would collect all of that and they would be doing the other harvest. Now, they could harvest, but they couldn't eat anything. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything with the rest of the harvest until after they celebrated the first fruits. So what they would do is, is for these next 49 days now, they would celebrate, they would eat together, they would work in the field, families would work together. I remember as a kid going down to my uncle's farms and down the dairies down around where my family uh, immigrated and, and built down in South Texas and, and they would, you know, uh, we, big fields and they would collect the hay and we as boys, we would throw hay. Anybody ever thrown hay? Ever Oh my goodness, we ought to just have a, well, to just have a day where we do that. I mean, you just ought to experience it. And, and we take those big old bells of hay, you know what I'm saying, and boys would take off their shirts, you know what I'm saying, to show themselves mighty, you know, to one another. And we'd take those bells of hay and you'd swing it and throw it up and then swing it and throw it up. And then you'd put it on that truck and then you'd take it to that barn and then you'd swing it and throw it and swing it and stack it and fall on it and play and just, man, have this incredible time. Well, that's kind of what they did during this period. They, the kids were out there. The families were out there. They're, they were eating. They were celebrating. They were dancing as they were collecting their harvest. And as they were collecting their harvest, they're taking that first fruit. And that first fruit, they have special baskets. And they're, and they're putting what belongs to God over here. And then what they would do is they put what God's over here. And then they would collect the rest of the harvest. And so that first basket was the Lord's. It was the first, it was the first fruits. And they would set it aside. And they were going to bring it and worship unto God. And that basket was set aside because it started their economic year. This was their economic year. This was their economic reset. So they put that, and then what they would do is they would start collecting baskets, and then they'd say, that first fruits, that's number one. Here's basket number two, basket number three, basket number four, basket number five, basket number six, basket number seven, basket number eight, basket number nine. Tenth basket belongs to the Lord because it's the first of the next series of tens. They would set inside, that was called the tithe. And then they would collect some more. A second basket, third basket, fourth basket, fifth basket, sixth basket, seventh basket, eighth basket, ninth basket, tenth basket. No, 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 wait. That's not our basket. They'd set it aside. That's the tithe. And so then what they would do is there was this special day called the first fruits. And on this particular day, which was the 50th day, Pentecost, what they would do is the, it was the, what, the feast of the first fruits. And then what they would do is it was going to be a day of worship. It wasn't a day of work. It was a day of worship. And on this day of worship, what they would do is all of those baskets they had collected as the first fruits, they would take an ox and an oxen cart 
And the kids would decorate these oxen. So they would take their horns and paint them different colors and hang bells off of them and, and maybe hand tin cans off the back. No, that's in a wedding. That wasn't there. But you get the idea. And they would just they would just make it look wonderful. And then they'd take these baskets where they collected and they would decorate up these baskets. And they'd start from the furthest place out in the fields. And every, they would put their baskets of first fruits on this cart. And then they would walk behind the cart and they would be singing some of the psalms as they journeyed. And the closer they got to Jerusalem, the next group of families would join them. And then the next group of families. And then the next group of families. And by the time they got to the temple, that cart was stacked with all of these baskets. And all of these people singing, praising the Lord. It's where they get the idea, enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. And they would come. And then what would happen is, along with that, <clears throat> They would have two loaves of bread that they had baked from the barley and, and, and from the wheat. And so they would take those two loaves of bread and they would have those two loaves of bread and the priest would take those two loaves of bread and lift up those two loaves of bread to heaven and speak blessing upon the people. And the people would bring these baskets that they had decorated that had all of their first fruits, the very first of all of the harvest, all of what they expected in their year. And they would bring them and they would set them before the Lord. And uh, as they set them before the Lord, then uh, what they would do in uh, uh, Leviticus chapter 23, you can read this. Chapter 26, you can read some about this. And then what they would do is they would take those baskets and they would present it for the Lord and all in unison they would repeat after the priest and they would say things like this, Lord, there was a time in our life, and I'm paraphrasing, Lord, there was a time in our life where we had nothing. There was a time in our life where we were nothing. There was a time in our life, Lord, where we didn't have any reputation, any identity, any skills. Any resume. It's a time in our life where we didn't have anything. But God, we've watched how you've worked in our life. And we realize that you are the one who has blessed our life and increased our life and provided in our life and protected us in our life. And all of this that we have now is because of you. It's only because of you. We couldn't have done this on our own. It's because you are our God. And you are the one that has cared for us and protected us. You led us out of where we were at. And you led us through what we went through in those tough years and tough times. And now you brought us to what we brought into. Do you, do you remember? Can anybody in here remember? I mean, I know... Some of you are too young maybe yet to remember, but do any of you remember the tough times you had in your life early on? Raise your hand. Do you remember that? Do you remember that when you knew nothing and you had nothing? <laughs> you, you had no resume. You had no personality. You had no funds. You had nothing. Do you remember that? I, I remember that. I, re, I remember Teresa and I first getting started. I I remember you know her linking up with a with a soldier boy, and I remember us not having very much. I remember that first apartment when we were in Germany that we with, that we literally furnished by picking up furniture on the side of the road. I remember 
getting our paycheck and paying our tithe and planning our bills out of that and not having anything left. I remember us being alone. I remember us trying to have to build that. I, I remember in the military and, you know, things going well in the military and me being promoted in the military and finally we had come into a place in our life where, you know, things were looking better and getting better and then God told me, you're not going to be a doctor. You're not going to stay in the military. You're going to get out. You're going to give your life to me in ministry and you're going to serve me by faith. I remember having that conversation with Teresa and said, honey, there goes the paycheck. There goes the health insurance. There goes the housing. We bought a little trailer. I think it maybe was 12 by 60. We bought that little trailer and <clears throat> the kids in that trailer, and I mean it was, it was cramped. It was a two-bedroom trailer. remember us starting out there like we're having to start all over again. And I remember the supernatural hand of God. I, I remember the day I was getting out of the military and I was leaving post. I had just signed my papers. I'm no longer a soldier and I'm leading post. And there's, a, there's a, a rainstorm and the lady in front of me got scared of the truck in front of her. And this little old lady, she slammed on her brakes. And when she slammed on her brakes, my car went into the back of her. Our only car. We got another car and I remember Teresa going, getting gas and many of you have heard me tell the story and her filling up and calling me crying and saying, honey, there's gas all underneath. The gas tank's leaking. The car gas is leaking. And I said, honey, how much gas did you put in it? And I don't even remember. It was maybe a, a couple of dollars. I think it was a dollar eighty something. I can't remember exactly. A couple of dollars, let's say. And I remember going up there. I remember praying, saying, God, this can't be the abundant life that you promised. Help us, God. I've got no way to help my family if you don't help me. I remember going up there and gasping all over and I couldn't figure out what was going on and I got her a ride. I think Scott was with her. He was a baby and got them a ride back to the house and I drove the car and the car never moved and it was full. It was overpass full and I got home and I found out the gas was leaking from the overflow tube and I said, honey, are you sure? And I had looked at the, I had looked at the gas pump and saw the amount. And that day God had filled up our car for $1.83, $2, whatever it was, to show us. I brought you out. I'm bringing you into. But while I'm bringing you through it, I'm still the same God. I remember us going to the doctor. Scott had bad ear infections. And I remember we had to take him to the doctor and we, we no longer had any. Can, can I just talk about my life story right now? Is that okay with y'all? The faithfulness of God. And, and I remember we had no health insurance and his ears were bad and he was crying and he was just pulling at him. I said, honey, 
we got to take him to the doctor. I mean, we'll just, we'll figure out a way. We'll just figure out a way. I had made a commitment when I first started in ministry. I wouldn't ask people for anything. I wouldn't let people know my needs. I wouldn't let the church know my needs. I wouldn't let anybody. I would trust God and God would have to speak to people. I still practice that today. She took him to the doctor and she was leaving the doctors and she was trying to make arrangements for the payments and the nurse said, there's no charge. And Teresa said, I, I don't understand. I mean, we, we don't have any insurance. She said, I know. She said, but the doctor is a Christian and he doesn't believe in charging ministers' families for their care. That's a part of his gift. So the rest of your time that you or your family need care, he's going to take care of you with no charge. Scott's ears, they didn't get better. He said, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to refer you to a specialist. We had to drive all the way down to Springfield, uh, about an hour and a half, two hours, to see this specialist and this doctor come in. And he's a very big man, very stern man. And he said, well, he said, this kid's ears are really bad. Uh, you know, it could need surgery later, but right now we need to put tubes in, and we need to get tubes in his ears right now. We need to schedule it. We need to do all of this. And I was just overcome and I said I said well you know I, I'd just like to have some time I'd like to pray and kind of figure out how we're going to do this he said sir this is no time to pray your kid needs his ears fixed and I said but sir I you know when I kind of shared with him I need to pray when you pray and, and, and he said well listen I, I don't think you should do that but if you're going to do that it Within two weeks, this has to be done within two weeks or his ears are going to have permanent damage. I remember going home. I remember driving, praying. God, if you don't help me, I can't take care of my family. It doesn't glorify you if I can't take care of my family. I remember driving home and we had Teresa's mom and dad. They lived in Kentucky seven and a half hours away and we had them praying with us and her dad he was a truck driver and he was home on he'd get home for Sundays and Wednesdays to preach and he was home Wednesday night and on Wednesday night he took a little prayer cloth using the principle of what the apostle Paul did where it says they took cloths from his body they anointed him and sent him out and 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 their prayers would be with that and he would heal people and I remember he got up in that little bitty country church that church where I don't know how many of them even had a high school education. They probably didn't have more than 10 people on a Wednesday night. And they got around that altar and they anointed that cloth and they prayed over it. And he drove all night long, seven and a half hours through the night to bring us that cloth. And he said, you take this cloth and you put it under his pillow you pray. He put it on his ears and we prayed and then put it under his pillow. Two weeks later, we went back to the doctor. I still remember the doctor coming in and he's saying, well, I don't know what happened since the last time I looked at him, but his ears are clear. He doesn't need these tubes. I 
I said, Doc, that's because we prayed and God did a miracle. He said, I don't know about all of that stuff. Remember that? He looked at us and said, I don't know about all that stuff. He said, but, but I'm happy that his ears are clear. Oh, my God, I'd have to do a week's revival to tell you all the stories of what God's done in our life, of what he brought us out of, of what he brought us through, of what he brought us to. Every one of you in this room, every one of you listening, every teenager, someday you're going to have the story. You're going to have the story of what God brought you out of. You're going to have the story of what God brought you through that you didn't, you didn't think you'd make it through. And then you're going to have the story of what God brought you to. The abundance. When God told his people, when I bring you out of it, when I bring you through it, and when I bring you to it, I want you to remember me. And I want you to remember, if it was not for me, you would not be anything. I want you to remember this is my land. This was my idea to bring you here. This was my promise over you. This was what I said I'd do for you. This is my rain that I've sent. This is my sunshine that I've sent. In this harvest season, this is the season where they're, they're apt to have these desert storms of high winds that will destroy everything. And, and they didn't have them during those times because God would protect them. He said, I want you to remember it's me. He said, matter of fact, you planted the seed, you worked it, you watered it, but I'm the one who gave you the seed. He said, so when you collect it all, this is what I want you to do. I want us to celebrate together. I want us to have a celebration. And in this celebration, I want you to bring your children, and I want you to bring your baskets, and I want you to bring that first part of, of what you've increased and that first part of what you brought in your life, and I want us to celebrate together. And I want you to recognize before God, and the priest would lead them and say, let's recognize before God that God, we were nothing, who had nothing. We've come through some very difficult things, but God, you've brought us through to this place we're at now, but God... Then this is the fourth part of what they say. But God, this that we give you, this first fruit, is because of all the harvests to come after that. And so we're not only mindful of what we used to be, and we're not only mindful of what we come through, and we're not only mindful of where we're at, we're giving this today by faith of where we're going. We believe you're not finished with us. We believe you're not finished with our life. We believe the promise is still for our children and our children's children and our children's children. And we still believe that you are working and that there's still more and better and greater to come upon our lives. Because the word first fruit was from a Hebrew word which meant to be promised. It, it, it not only represented, they didn't, the reason they did one basket from the first of the harvest is it was to remember that, that, it's, uh, that they're giving this out of faith and recognition 
that they still believe that God has a lot of good years for their life. That in one moment everything could turn around. Uh, that in one situation, that through one idea, that, that God, and they believe that God, I don't believe that you just wanted this for my life. Uh, I believe uh, that you're faithful to the generations uh, and to my children and to my children's children and to my children's children's children, dear Lord God. So they would offer that up. That was the beginning of their economic year. That was the first fruits. It was the beginning of their finances. And they would offer it up to the Lord. And they would celebrate it. After they had that day of celebration and that day of feasting and enjoyment, then what they would do is, (coughs) then they would take and they would go collect all the rest of the harvest and then they could begin eating it, sharing it, bartering it, spending it, doing all of the different things they could. Because they believed that on that day, It was the beginning of a beautiful year. The beginning of a beautiful season. It was the first fruits. Ezekiel 34 verse 26 says this. I will bless my people and their homes around my holy mountain. And in the proper season, I will send the showers they need. And they will be showers. They believed what God said. They didn't invent this. This this wasn't something they said, hey, we have a great idea for a party. Hey, we have a great idea of a worship service. Hey, we have a great idea of this. No, it was God. God said, listen, I'm a partner with you. I want to bless you. You're my people. I want to take care of you. And I want all the world to know it. And what I want to do is when you're getting all of this harvest and you're bringing it in and you're looking at your year and you're making your plans from your income and all of that, he said, I want to be a part of this celebration. And so God, God told Moses, he, uh, uh, he said, tell the people, let's have a party. Let's have a party. And so God, this is God's party. God made up this party. And in this party, God said, here's how the party's going to do. And he gave them instructions, and they they all got together with these instructions. And so next week, that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to preach more about the three things, the three things that happen, the three things that you can expect from the first fruit celebration and the first fruits offering. And next week, we're going to celebrate that as we do always in, in uh, each year. Uh, in Oasis. Why? Because I believe, my friend, I believe God's word. I believe what God says. I believe that God, it has an impact on our life. It has an impact on our businesses. It has an impact on our home. It has an impact on our finances. I know what God brought me through. I know what God brought me through. And I know what God has brought me to. remember a couple of times in my life I, I reminded God as the kids were growing up that God, if you don't help me, I can't help my family. If you don't take care of me, I can't take care of my family. We were at Oral Roberts University one summer. We'd go there as a part of a minister's group for several days with our family, just kind of renewed and, and, and connecting. And I remember they were there and uh, Brother Roberts, they were receiving an offering for the university to pay the tuition for mission students, students that had come there that had a call of God and a heart of God, but they couldn't pay for their tuition. So what would happen is the ministers, we would 
do an offering which would pay for the tuition of these kids so they could go to school. And so they were receiving this offering. And I remember as they were receiving this offering, and I, and I remember I'm going to give something because I, I, I like to try to give in every opportunity, no matter what it is, a little bit or whatever, because if God blesses whatever the whole of it is, I want part of that blessing for my life. And so I had set apart, and, and God spoke to me very clearly. The Holy Spirit spoke to me as I was sitting there. And he said, I want you to give this amount. It, it was everything we had, literally everything we had. Back then, everything we had was $300, literally. And God said, I want you to give this, and this is what God said. God said, you plant this as seed, and you help those students a student go to school, and when your daughter gets ready to go to college, I'll make sure it's paid for. So I said, okay. I said, Lord, I'm, I'm convinced. Now you got to convince Teresa. She, she's... So I told her, and she said, okay. And I remember we wrote the check. I remember taking it up, putting it in the offering. When I put it in the offering, I just remember, thank you, God. I prayed for a couple of things. I said, when my kids go to college, I'm not going to be able to send them to college financially, so you're going to have to send them to college, Lord. And when my daughter gets married, I want to give her a good wedding. We went on break after that conference. We were walking out the doors, and as we walked out the doors, somebody that knew us saw us. They come over and said, oh, it's so good to see you. And when they shook our hand, they did. I, I, anybody know what a preacher's handshake is? Preacher's handshake is when somebody rolls up money in it, and they shake your hand, and they release the money into yours. You're not supposed to look at it or anything. You just take it and stick it in your pocket and act like nothing's happened. Okay. It's, it's kind of like a holy drug deal is what it, it's kind of like. The guy doing it doesn't want anybody to know. You don't know what's going on and what you've just got. You try to do it real fast so nobody else sees, right? And, and you try to do it where you don't get shot. In other words, somebody who's a taker sees it, and then they'll come to you after and they'll have a story. I don't know what I'm going to do for gas this week because they know you're a giver, not a taker. And if you're a giver, they know you'll, you'll probably just pull it out and want to give it away. So you just stick it in there. So I stick it in there, and we were out in the parking lot, and somebody else come up and said, oh, it's, it's, the Lord just spoke to us to give that back to you. And did it again. I'm like, dear God, there is an anointing on Oral Roberts that I didn't know about. We got in the car and looking at the money. I, I wasn't in a hurry to look at it. I trust God, but Teresa was like, how much was it? Look at it. I'm joking, she didn't. I'm joking, she didn't. We looked at it, and by the time we had got out and was leaving, God had already gave us back the $300 that I had just put into the offering plate. Years later, we got a call from the school when Nicole was getting ready to graduate. Got a call from the school one day, and they said, Mr. Popham, uh, we need to talk to you. I'm like, okay. And so 
they talked to, they said, we have two things to share with you. Number one, we need to share with you that Nicole has graduated, uh, you know, top in the class here. And second of all, what that means is she can go anywhere she wants to in the state of South Carolina for four years, and it's paid for. I remember Teresa and I crying and celebrating and stuff. I remember, I remember Nicole getting home from school. Couldn't wait for her to get home. I still remember, I can take you back to the moment in that house right in front of the dishwasher right there, between the island and the sink, right where that dishwasher was. I said, honey, we got a call from the school today. She was nervous. Said they told us, graduated first in the class, and second of all, that you can go anywhere in South Carolina that you want to, and it's paid for for four years of college. I remember her crying and saying, Daddy, oh, this is so good. I wondered if serving God and living by my morals and all of this was going to pay off and anything paid off. And And I'm telling her, I'm standing there talking to her, and I'm saying, Honey, it's paid off. Your hard work's paid off. You serving God's paid off. It's all paid off. And I heard the Holy Spirit as clear as day tell me, Don't let her believe she did this. God took me back to that day at ORU where he walked down and I put that money in the offering plate and God told me that day standing there with Nicole, he said, she didn't do this. You didn't do this. I did this because I'm a faithful God. I keep my promises to my children. I'm fixing to get a little spirit filled on you right now. God is a faithful God. God is a God who will walk with you through the darkest hour, through the darkest time, through the darkest moment where nothing looks like it's going to turn out the way he said. And the Holy Spirit will keep whispering in your ear, I am here. I am faithful. I keep my promises. Take another step. 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 I'm bringing you into a land. I'm bringing you into a future. I'm bringing you to a hope. I'm bringing you to a place that I have planned for you. And when you get there, remember, So next week, that's what we'll do. We'll bake two loaves of bread every family, or you can buy. If you're not a baker, you buy it. And we're going to bring two loaves of bread. We're going to put them in a basket. You're going to decorate that basket up with your kids, and we're going to bring it. I don't have an ox and a bull, all right? So we're not going to bring an ox and a bull in here. We're just, there's, well, some of y'all are oxen and bull. We'll just pick y'all to be the one. We're going to decorate it. Our kids are going to know what we're doing while we're breaking the bed and baking the bread and decorating the basket. We're going to tell them the story. Tell them a story about grandma and grandpa. Tell them a story about when you and mom started off. Tell them the story about when you had no bed and slept on the floor. Tell them the story about when you had the car and had to wire up the muffler. The shocks that went out 
and you're driving through town. <laughs> we had a Lincoln one time. Lincolns are great cars until the air shock squad. It was an old Lincoln. You're going to tell them that story so that your children and your children's children will know how good God is, how awesome God is. And then we're going to put with that our offering, our first fruits offering. First fruits offering, it's a free will offering. You get to choose whatever the amount is, but it was the first. It was supposed to be the first, and it was supposed to be the best. The rabbis told people if they didn't have a set amount to at least take one-sixtieth of whatever their harvest, one-sixtieth of their income, and that could be their first fruits a harvest. And, and so for many people, they do it in different ways. Some people, it's a, it's a week's worth of pay. One people, they take one-sixtieth. One people, they just take some money that they had over here. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. We're not calculating it. We're not checking bank accounts when you walk in. We're not asking you to show us your checking ledger. We're doing this because we love God. Because we're mindful of God. And we're going to put that in there, in that envelope. We're going to put it in that basket. And we're going to come before the Lord and we're going to offer it up as our first fruits offering. And the Bible said, well, what happened is he said, they said, take that first fruits offering and give it to the priest for God. So they give it to God. And then they give it to God and God said, here's what I want you to do with that. I want you to take it and I want you to give it to the priest. It's going to be theirs. It's going to be a part of their inheritance, a part of their thing. And then the priest would use it for their life. In this case, we're still going to do the same thing. We're going to give it to God. As the priest, I'm still going to take it. But the difference is, I don't need it in my life. We're going to use it because we're building a future here. For the world, for salvations, for souls, for families. And so it's a part of our raising the roof fund as we continue to do some more things. And then we're going to take those two loaves of bread. And we're going to take one loaf and we're going to exchange it with somebody. And the other loaf we're going to take and we're going to stack up out here and we're going to take it to some ministries in town that feed other people. And we're going to give it to them to help with what they're doing. And then we're going to go outside and we are going to eat and eat and eat and eat. Everybody always talks about, God said to fast, God said to fast. I can show you where he said feast, feast, feast. This was one of those times where he said feast. I've been fasting. I want feasting. So we're going to go out. We're going to eat. We're going to eat. We're going to play. We're going to watch our kids enjoy life. We're going to enjoy life with one another. We're going to celebrate. We're going to get recipes from each other. And we're going to enjoy that God is a good God and everything we have on this campus is because of God and the pastor and family that you have is because of God and the people that you have in your faith family is because of God and the blessings of the city that we live in is because of God and the nation that we live in is because of God and we're going to celebrate. And then we're going to dream. We're going to reset our economic year. Maybe you've never been a giver. Maybe, maybe you've never been a giver. Maybe this is the time you're going to start that. You're going to say, we're going to reset our economics. We're, we're going to 
become givers to God, not takers. I grew up, I wasn't a giver to God. My family was a taker from God. I'll just be honest with you. We took from God. We didn't go to church. We didn't help the church. We weren't involved in church. But there's many times we took food from the church. We took electric assistance from the church. My grandma was the giver to the church. We were the taker. And so when I learned about giving, I'm determined I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be a giver. Maybe this is the first time. Maybe you were like me. Maybe you didn't know. Or maybe you knew, but you were just, you always struggled in fear or whatever. Maybe this could be a time for you, an economic reset. I don't know. That's between you and God. All I know is this. We're going to begin to believe for a great future. We're going to believe that no matter what gas prices are, no matter what recession does, no matter what interest rates do, no matter what the presidency does, no matter what the crooked Congress does, no matter what anybody does, we are the children of Almighty God. We have a covenant with God, and God knows how to take care of his own. And it is well, it is well with our soul. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray over you because this will be a strategic week of God speaking to you, of God encouraging you, of God reminding you. I pray that God take you on a journey this week to remind you where you came from. But that he'll also remind you where you're going to. That he'll revive in you a vision for your future. A vision for your future. A vision for your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. Father, we come to you today. We're so grateful. There's a lot of stuff I didn't plan on sharing this morning, but God, it's an overflow from my heart. Thank you. I know I would be nothing without you. I have evidence in my life that if it was not for my life being with you, it would have turned out totally different. Father, thank you. We want to celebrate your goodness this week and this coming Sunday with First Fruits. We, we want to celebrate just how awesome you've been. We want to celebrate just how awesome we believe you're going to be in the future that you still have for us. And eye hasn't even seen it yet. Ear hasn't even heard it yet. It, it maybe hasn't even entered our heart yet what you have prepared for us. Thank you, God, what you brought us from through the blood. Thank you what you brought us through, through the bread and your body and suffering the pain that you took the curse on you. Thank you for what you brought us into, which is the blessing, the blessing of God in our life. As your head's bowed and your eyes closed right now, if you're here this morning and you're a person that does not have a relationship with God, 
this morning, that would, could be the most important thing. Maybe you've never started a relationship. Maybe you had a relationship which you've went back on God and you say, I, I, I know I'm back to the right. I know God's not number one in my life right now. And why every, every head is bowed, every head closed, you'd slip up your hand, you'd raise up your hand and say, Pastor, you need to pray for me. I want you to pray for me this week because I need God in a relationship with God in my life. And you'd raise up your hand right now. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I'm going to be praying for you. Father, I pray right now. I pray right now for that person, those person, every person in here, every person listening right now. I pray that right now we would say, here I am, God, I surrender. I surrender my life to you. I give my life to you, dear Lord God. Wash me, cleanse me. I accept your gift. I lean in to the power of the Holy Spirit in my life right now. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're here right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe you're a person that you know right now. You're mindful right now of stuff God's done for you and done in your life. Maybe you're a person that's been a taker and you're, you want to switch to being a giver and this is going to be your economic reset to be a giver. Right now. Ask God to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, give me faith. And Holy Spirit, speak to me what I need to do and how I need to do it. Father, I'm asking you to speak to every one of us this week so that we can celebrate this Sunday. Help us to remember what it is we're celebrating. Help us to write it down, all of the good things. Help us to remind our kids. Help us to start talking about our future, dear Lord God. Help us to know, Father, what we're to set aside and what we're to give. This first fruits to honor you. This coming Sunday, help us to be a part. Help us to know what to do. In Jesus' name.